0: Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. We're doing an experiment here where we've got two people in the... Uh, In the uh, studio, except for that, we're three thousand miles apart. So uh, we're doing a trial. Normally, I can tell if other people are calling in, and normally we have other people. I guess we have some people calling in. Okay. So, but Paul's going to handle the studio part, so I'm not going to have to worry about that. And uh, if anybody does want to minimize that window, minimize that window. (laughs) <laughs> Quit watching the chat room. <laughs> okay. I don't see the chat room, but I guess I'm in there. That. Oh, okay. So that's the that's gone from my screen. Right. So we're going to fumble around here as we figure out things. But uh, but anyway, so I'm just going to start talking like I usually do, and we'll go through uh, the, the topic of today, which uh, I've kind of – originally our topic was the law. Because everything is in the law. Of course we're talking about natural law. And natural law is the law that we can't change by statute. It is already there. We've been trying to figure out what it is for thousands and thousands of years. To find out what it is that actually operates the laws of the universe. Uh, in relationship to our existence here on this uh, planet. And... uh the, those are constant and what I, what I have been contending for a long time is like the Ten Commandments are not so much like statutes that we create or that our imagination creates, but it's an attempt to explain to us what the law of nature is. That if you violate the precept upon precept that we see iterated in the Ten Commandments, that it will not go well for you that there will be a cause and effect repercussion that takes place because you violated those Ten Commandments, one of those Ten Commandments, or the precepts that are expressed in those Ten Statements. Now, a lot of people will say, well, how does keeping the Sabbath have anything to do with cause and effect in the universe? Because keeping the Sabbath is not about just taking Saturdays off or going to church on Saturday or Sunday or any of those things, that it's actually referring to a much, much deeper principle in our existence. And it has to do with borrowing against our own future. Now, of course, you can borrow against your future by borrowing money. You can borrow against your future by uh borrowing favors from other people. But when we're talking about The eternal laws of the universe, what are we actually talking about in borrowing? How do we borrow our life or borrow life from somebody else or borrow time from somebody else? Well, there's all kinds of different ways that we can do those kinds of things. And so, looking at that, that's one of the more abstract or seemingly abstract interpretations where people have reduced the Ten Commandments down to some sort of humanized statutes, that as if you know God is up there. That oh well, you have done you know like if if I were to hit somebody and break their arm, which commandment did I violate? Well, you know when I was going to catechism, that would be violating the commandment against Thou shalt not kill. Well, I didn't kill anybody, but I broke his arm. Same principle will apply. Thou shall not steal. Well, is God up there counting? I stole a hundred dollars. I stole a penny. I stole ten thousand dollars. Is there some sort of tabulary or tabulating of what I do and what I don't do? Well, in the Cosmic range of things. I suppose there is some sort of tabulation of what I do and what I don't do, but that isn't really how it works. Uh, and we know that because, of, well, at least we can apply that if you look at it from the point of view of uh, psychology or uh, applied psychology or uh, theories of philosophers who are looking at you know why does why do things exist what. Can you prove anything formally, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Then this idea of the Ten Commandments, those ten statutes, those ten precepts upon precepts that are trying to explain to you what the nature of God is and how, that, uh, how they relate to us in the world today. It becomes, when we're looking at uh, the Ten Commandments, uh, it's more like philosophy. It's more like... Uh, concepts of uh, life in general, and not specifically of statutory Ten Commandments. So how does that translate out into our regular existence and how our existence operates, uh, how how we act and react in the universe? Well, obviously, I shouldn't be killing people, I shouldn't be murdering people, I shouldn't be injuring people, I shouldn't be stealing from people. Uh, I shouldn't be bearing false witness in the sense of false witness, not telling, you know, tell a lie. You know, when we were raised up in in Catholicism, they had a thing called confession. All churches don't have that, but we were supposed that we were taught to go to confession to a priest. And you would go into the priest and say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. And you say, I told three lies. I, you know, I lost my temper. I disobeyed my parents. That's that statutory approach where we're listing off these ideas that we have violated the Ten Commandments. And it does a great disservice. There actually is a certain value in confession, of certain value because you have to sit there and think, like, what did I do? And how have I been acting? And how have, you know, re-examining your own behavior? Well, that's kind of a good thing. But... It's a distraction against what is really going on in the universe, what is really affecting the outcome of our life. Today we look at, out in the world and we see people have lost a great deal of freedom. There seems to be a rise of totalitarianism. Everybody's worried about things like insurrection when there was no insurrection, but they almost are trying to make people insurrect because of, you know, we see that in China with the recent shutdowns and you know, where people are you know, protesting the shutdowns and then suddenly they turn all their phones, which contains their social passport, to yellow. So now they can't get on trains, they can't uh, get on public transportation, they can't go to certain buildings. They're probably not even allowed into certain buildings because they know that you now have what the French would call a yellow passport and you're no longer welcome to do a lot of things. Now, can you imagine if, Uh, There was food rationing. There was a shortage of food. And all of a sudden, your passport goes yellow. You can't buy food. Maybe that's restriction. What happens if it goes red? Or whatever the other categories are. They have total control over you. People will live in absolute fear that if I say anything, do anything, go step outside of the bounds of somebody's parameters of behavior... I'm suddenly turned off. I can't, my, I don't have work anymore. I don't have money for food. I, they've canceled my bank. They canceled my right to exist on, you know, where you can just wander out into the wilderness, I guess, until your battery runs out. <laughs> You've been ostracized entirely from society. And some people want that kind of power. And of course, there's science fictions. And that's not science fiction. That's really happening in China where they're regulating your life because you did something they didn't think was proper behavior. You have been reduced to a second or a third class citizen. And they have, they wield that kind of power. That is a product of a spirit that dwells in the people that have control of the Chinese government. Now, I'm sure for years, you know, Christians were not welcome. You know, you had to have special ID. You couldn't be a minister. It was all licensed behavior. And so there was a huge underground of, you go back to people like Watchman Nee, there was a huge underground people who lived, who were not a part of, the system of China. And they lived under the radar. And I'm sure such people exist now, even with or without the yellow passport. I'm sure, well, I knew people that uh, were raised up in China. And uh, during the period of time where they had the one-child contract, and they had lots of brothers and sisters. I don't know how many kids were in their family, but it was like eight or nine children in that family. Their father just never signed a one-child contract. He didn't even send his kids necessarily to the public schools. He had such clout and power in the small little community that he was in because his skills for creating a business were so immense that he, uh, he supplied employment for all kinds of people. Now, he was in the system. They knew who he was and all that stuff. But nobody gave him a hard time about the fact that he had numerous children. And, uh, so he, he had this leverage because he had this skills. Now, we also know that during cultural revolutions that a lot of times those people were same kind of people were singled out and executed. In Korea, it was a lot harder to get by. I don't know what the underground in Korea is like. Uh, but, uh, mobility of the individual to exercise any sort of freedom is almost non existent. It is a totalitarian, uh, regime and the pressure, you know, trying to produce a family, trying to teach those family values. It just does not exist in North Korea. Uh, something of freedom exists in China. That's how some people escaped going across borders in from Korea into China. So there's lots of people floating around that are not registered because they're not legally in China. But yet there they are and people are feeding them and people are uh, sometimes abusing them and their own trafficking schemes. So it isn't a 100% control in places like China. But generally freedom doesn't exist in China. And there are vast numbers of people in Europe and in America that don't want freedom to exist in America either. And a lot of them are in control. And what I'm saying is that the power they have to do what they are doing is actually a spiritual power. It isn't the technicality. It isn't the what we see is the control agency of uh, what we would normally think, that the people who are in charge. Maybe I can give an example. When I was in the military, people, and I knew guys who like went to Vietnam. I never went to Vietnam. They were talking about sending me there, but things happened. But guys I know who went to Vietnam, you know, you'd have... A second lieutenant who was in charge of your outfit, you would have sergeants in your outfit, you would have a first lieutenant, you'd have a captain, and they call that the chain of command. But guys who were out in the field, where suddenly you could be under a firefight, they knew the chain of command was not what it said on your sleeve or on your, you know, in your, uh, you know, they actually didn't wear the bars, (laughs) they didn't wear the stripes. Because if you look like you were an officer, you were a major target of snipers. So, but the actual people that decided things, and I saw this even, uh, you know, in the mainland, a lot of times, sometimes a corporal would seem to weigh, you know, hold more power and control than an officer. In a sense, we still knew the chain of command, but because of other factors, In the system of the military, you know, a staff sergeant could hold way more authority in a given situation than a lieutenant or even a captain. Uh, But when you're out there in the field where people can shoot at you and where survival is not a guarantee, the chain of command melts away and something else rises up. And I, I always remember one guy told me the story that he had one guy in an outfit that almost nobody ever heard from. He was very quiet. Wire rimmed glasses, almost invisible. You know, if if somebody was asked to list all the people in their outfit, he would probably be one of the last people that they would even mention. But when they were in under firefight, and this happened more than once, but one particular time under the firefight He was the one issuing all the commands. He was the one who rallied all the troops. He was the one who gave directions and everybody did what he said. And then after the danger was gone, he was no longer in charge. And there was a certain underlying respect for the individual. But he didn't get saluted. He didn't get the pay grade. But when the chips were down, everybody listened to him. Uh, they didn't listen to the lieutenant. They didn't listen to the sergeant. They listened to him because they had a certain respect for him. When all the fluff and uh, pomp of our of our society melts away during hard times, it will be surprising who actually rises to the point of leadership. And one of the things that we talked about this morning is you know the idea that. You know, the chimpanzee troop that, uh, is run by one leader, the leader is not always the strongest. He's not always the toughest. He's not always the meanest. As a matter of fact, when that does occur in a, uh, baboon troop or a chimpanzee troop, uh, it doesn't usually go well for that individual. Because there are other factors at play in leadership and in, in the hierarchy of a society, that's down there, where the rubber meets the road, where you strip away all the ranks and uh, pomp and ceremony that we have in our society. Now, we also talked about civil law this morning. And civil law is the law that men make for themselves, and civil law says this guy's in charge. Civil law says. That, you know, when you go down to the DMV, the guy is a king. What he says, go. You don't want to argue with him. You don't want to give him a hard time because he can make your life miserable. You could do the same thing in one bureaucracy after another. That these guys control their little bureaucracies. But if that's all stripped away, what are you left with? Who is really in charge? Who really has the power over the situation? And I tell you, that the real power is in the realm of spirit. It's not in the realm of pomp and ceremony and civil law and regulations, etc. Where the real power is is in the light of truth and in the armor of God and in these things. And then you say, well, then why were Christians persecuted and killed? Because all Christians didn't measure up. To what they should be? Why was Christ killed? Could Christ have taken him down himself down from the cross? Could Christ? You know, at one point they wanted to grab Christ, and uh, early on, in his ministry, and it says he hid himself from them. What did that mean? Did he like become invisible? Did they suddenly that they only had power over Christ because he allowed? Them to have power over Christ. And this is what I'm saying. That if you actually seek the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. You will. You will actually. Be connected to a higher power. And that higher power will actually make it so that. A hundred men. Who would like to kill you. Cannot kill you. Now. Now. If your goal is simply to save your life, you probably will not have access to such power. If your goal is to lay down your life for others, you may have that power. Again, it all depends on this will of the Father. But if you're a part of this greater scheme, this greater power, this greater kingdom, this kingdom of God and His righteousness all the powers of the world pale in comparison as an example jesus was able to take people who were sick and suddenly make them well people who were literally dead and bring them back to life that kind of power was manifested in the miracle, miracles of christ of course a lot of people are not going to believe that they're just going to say that's all wives tale but i'm what i'm trying to bear witness to is the fact that that power is real that power will not be defeated no matter how bad how clever the new world order is how uh, insidious it is how pervasive it is that power is a different is on a different level it's a different kind of power so you know like this morning when i talked about a lot of the things that uh Uh, in the kingdom and the offices of the kingdom, I equated it eventually, we real, eventually we're reducing it down to the fact that all the offices in government, your presidents, your judges, your, uh, police forces, your FBI, uh, all these agencies, uh, of the governments of the world, all of them are operating on a a spiritual level as well as on a physical level. And it's the spiritual level that gives them real power. You think it's their guns, you think it's their badge, you think it's their clubs. And certainly those things have an effect, but those are actually, I'm telling you, they're actually a distraction from the real power going on. That where they got their real power under COVID was the fact that they could make people afraid. And they could make millions of people afraid. They just put a few quotes on the, you know, and a few videos on the 6 o'clock news and millions upon millions of people were becoming afraid. And once they became afraid, they could be manipulated. They could be controlled. This is what we talk about when we did our shows on the mass formation of psychosis, that... They were manipulating your conscience so that you could only accept certain facts, and of course, they've done that for years and years and years. That's how Christianity has fallen to the place and to the location that it is now descended to. That it's not real Christianity anymore; it's false Christianity. It's it's an apostate church is out there telling you where we have people. Worshipping the Pope. And of course I know a lot of Catholics, they don't worship the Pope anymore, so theoretically they don't. They still worship the religion they believe in, but I can say the same of the Protestants, we can say the same of the Muslims, we can say the same of many of the Jews, that they, they worship their ideologies, much like you see in the colleges where you have, you know, uh, your new woke People, that's a religion. Wokeism is a religion. It's a religion in the bad sense. It's the religion in the superstitio sense. That they have their ideology. They believe in anybody who opposes their ideology as a bad person and should be canceled or, uh, even, uh, even destroyed. Somebody, I know, was just telling me about a conversation they had, uh, with, uh, uh, people from Different cultures, different religions, and uh, they were talking about how uh that this con this Ye thing or kanye uh thing where he said he likes Hitler or something. I mean it's a long conversation of course what they do is they hold up the sound bites and all this kind of stuff and I don't think he's very good at articulating himself and and, and saying what he's trying to say I think that if people were tr- really trying to have a conversation with him but he's become extremely rich extremely arrogant and he's almost and he probably was talented and therefore you know I actually don't know much about his singing I never really listened to him or anything but he's made billions I guess uh, but he's become a little manic because everybody just falls all over themselves around him because he's so wealthy and they, they put him up on a pedestal in his immediate, the people around him. And, uh, and this, they give him more power, his words more power than they should. And that power, just like the power of a dictator, like, like Hitler or like uh, Stalin, it corrupts them. it actually drives them crazy. And we saw that in the Bible with Saul, Saul was literally driven crazy by the power of his kingship, the power that the people gave him because the people put Saul up on a pedestal of power, and that power corrupted him, it corrupted his mind. And therefore, it corrupted his body, and he was having uh, depression and headaches and and uh, health issues because people put him up on this pedestal. But it's also because he went up on the pedestal. Those people who listened to me for a long time, when I first came out and started talking about the covenants of the gods and all the, you know, the different chapters there and all the different laws, you know, and I warn people at the beginning of the book that my use of quotes is not meant to establish an authority in your mind. I'm not trying to say that there is a solution by understanding how the legal system brings you into bondage. Because what really brings you into bondage is not the legal system. There's a, The legal system is a part of the physical world. All around us. But the physical world is subject to the spiritual world. And what really brings you into bondage is your spiritual choices. And because of your spiritual choices, you will make the physical choices. You will apply for the benefits and and engage in covetous practices. And those covetous practices will make you physically merchandise you actually belong to somebody else. The whole COVID-19, they're talking about it changing your genetics. And the people talk, you know, trans, uh, humans, where it's actually ch- altering your genetics. And you can debate that, discuss that, and, and listen to hours and hours of, uh, video and, uh, interviews talking about that and putting that down and putting that, holding that up. And the reality is, is that if they, somebody is able to incorporate into your body patented genetic changes, then you could ask, well, all the courts have ruled that if you are carrying the genes of a genetically modified organism as a part, if you're, if you're a product of a genetically modified organism, you belong to somebody else. That's what all the courts are saying. Now, I think there's flaw in that, and I'm not trying to say that that's where you Somebody wrote me last night. Somebody that gave me a ride years and years and years ago during the uh, uh, whirlwind tour. Uh, I was almost killed in an automobile accident and uh, totaled the car. And then eventually, I got rides from people to get me eventually all the way back here. But uh, but made all of our uh, conferences that we were going to speak at and everything. But, uh, they contacted me last night and their question was, uh, about, I was going to wonder, do I have that? Is it on my phone? If I think it's on my phone, <laughs> but I just going to try to read it exact. But basically, I'll, I'll just paraphrase it. They're wondering about the jab if this has to do with salvation. Should you avoid the jab uh, because it will affect your salvation? Well, I think it will affect a lot of things. And uh I think it's something you can avoid. But our salvation is spiritual. And if Jesus Christ can raise the dead, uh he literally can purge your body of whatever the jab is putting into you. <laughs> But I think in the process of facing the drama of this uh world and, and what the world is presenting, the, the, we talked this morning talking about falling into the river and then being carried away by the currents of the river and then dashed into these rocks or pulled down by this undertow and everything. These are the currents that rage all about us. And the Bible has references to that where the... The seas raging, the waves raging, and all this stuff. And of course, we see Jesus on board a boat, and the storm is raging all about him. And the people are all afraid that the ship is going to go down, and they're all going to drown. And Jesus wakes up and and wonders why everybody's so afraid, and he just calms the storm. And that's divine intervention, because Jesus had control over the law of nature. Because Jesus had dominion over the law of nature. Adam had dominion. Adam was given dominion. But we lost that dominion as we lost access to the tree of life. Can we get it back? And I'm telling you, that's what the journey really is, is going back to that. Back to that dominion. But in order to get back back to that, we have to repent. We have to think differently than we were, we were thinking before. I mentioned Nassim, uh, Malhotra, who is a Norwegian doctor. If you look him up, Malhotra is M-A-L-H-O-T-R-A. You can Google him. If you get a hold of your minister, if you've joined the network already and you have one of the ministers in the network, if you write them and say you want to hear some of his stuff, we can get you links to some of his uh, talks but he's talking about how they got control and the, the, how uh, they were able to manipulate whole nations all over the world millions upon millions of people and one of the things he said was they did it with fear because fear interferes with critical thinking people couldn't critically think about the information they were being given Because they were already instilled with fear. Which is probably why Jesus said, fear not. Fear is is part of the tools of the spiritual realm that wants to take dominion away from you. Take your life away from you. Take control of all those things that God wanted to give you. Take control of all the gifts that God wants to give you. One of the tools to do that is fear. And there are people, the Great Reset is big on using fear to control and manipulate people. It's very effective. But if you actually are following what Christ was really saying, you can overcome that fear. You can overcome the power that they have. So, yeah, our salvation is spiritual, but it will have a physical manifestation. And so. That's what we're talking about a lot of times, even though I, you think I'm talking about the law, you think I'm talking about these patterns of cause and effect. What I'm actually talking about is this spiritual reality, but in order to talk about the spirit, I have to equate it with physical things, which in all of our talks about language, we show you that the Hebrew language almost always has double meanings to words where they'll have a physical meaning but they also have a more abstract or even a spiritual meaning. The same word will mean something completely seemingly completely different, but it's because it's it's about another realm of power. So in answer to that lady who you know, I, I did contact her, I did give her some information. I don't know if she's made it to the radio broadcasts. Uh she ha she's been completely out of touch. She says she's been listening to our podcast, Keys of the Kingdom uh I don't know how much. You know, we we put out about three hours every week. I'd like to start putting out even more than that. And so this this talk right here, which is actually a part of our offices talk, when I when I talk about all these offices, you know, we talked about our Potter Familia. I talk about, you know, offices. I had a whole article that we've had up for a long time. It's actually partly from the book, The Free Church Report. And it talks about, well, are there offices in the church established by Christ? And we just talked about most of the churches are apostate churches. And why are they apostate churches? Is because they're doing the exact same thing that the, uh, in a spiritual sense, they're doing the exact same thing that the Pharisees were doing. And they're not bearing fruit. Uh They are engaged in covetous practices. They do not provide a daily ministration for the people. The people have to go to men who exercise authority one over the other if they want to receive a daily ministration. That daily ministration is a physical daily ministration. It is social security checks, national insurance checks. It is uh, these checks that they, you know, stimulus checks. Uh, It is Medicare, Medicaid, it is national health care. All those things are the daily administration of the governments of the world. And the governments of the world are beasts because they're all dependent upon taking away from somebody else, either borrowing against the future, which is a violation of the Sabbath, or simply coveting their neighbor's goods, taking away from their neighbor, so that they can have stuff uh, for free today. All that is the beast system. That is all anti-Christ. That is anti-Moses. And in every one of those cases, they will oppress somebody in their midst. Or they'll oppress another country round about them. Or they'll have corporations that go out, and uh, like East Timor. East Timor was one of the few countries in the world that was operating in the black. In other words, they had abundance of natural resources. They had no debt. Nobody wanted to borrow, uh, loan them any money. But uh, they, their government was solvent. They did not have, you know, every child born wasn't born in debt. They had no Federal Reserve System. And so it was a fairly poor country by some standards, but because they were up to at least broke, they were actually a very rich country. And somebody made up a reason why they needed to invade East Timor. (laughs) And the country with the worst human rights record in the world at the time seemed to get a carte blanche right to invade East Timor and take it over. And of course they were going to need some financial help doing this. They loaded up their ships and they were heading over, but they needed more equipment and they got it from Jimmy Carter, who offloaded it from his ships on U.S. ships at sea onto these other ships of Indonesia, who then came into the harbors at East Timor, landed and killed Tens of thousands, probably 100,000 or more people. Uh, most of the uh, foreign journalists who were on the beach the day that they could see their ships coming in, because I've seen the actual film of that, uh, most of those foreign journalists were dead within six months. It was a brutal, horribly brutal uh, takeover of the country. And you didn't hear a word about it in the news. Your your news media didn't tell you anything about it. It was a complete blackout. Now, supposedly it's a republic. It does have a Federal Reserve now. It does have debt now. It does have foreign corporations that have come in and are mining the country from one end to the other. And uh, the standard of living isn't too bad there. But everybody, they're all part of the New World Order. They're all subject people. There's all debt in their country. Now, multi billion dollar corporations are making lots and lots of money. And they got away with that because the US government, English government, certainly the Indonesian government, they all worked hand in hand to take over East Timor. There was about seven different countries that did not have Federal Reserves. Last I checked, they just about all have it now. And the whole world is in debt. The whole world is locked up in this system. And I tell you, the system is moving because of a spiritual character that has infested the hearts and minds of people. People at the top. I mean, you know, you can, there are conspiracy guys that will throw out all kinds of things about this. I'm just saying, in their heart of hearts, they have accepted certain ideas that they have grown accustomed to, that they are comfortable with. The idea of taking coveting your neighbor's goods perfectly okay. The Pope's for it, most Catholics are for it, most Protestants are for it, most Jews are for it. Uh, the guys at the Daily Wire. they aren't saying anything that I have detected saying that we should not be coveting our neighbor's goods. That we should not be creating these... I've heard them say, you know, right there, that, oh, we have to have a social safety net. The kingdom of God has a social safety net. But it's based on faith, faith hope, and charity. If the social safety net in your country, your nation, your club, whatever you want to call it, is based on force you will not be free. You you are not operating according to what the Bible calls the perfect law of liberty, and you are turning your mind and your heart over to the same spirit that invaded East Timor, the same spirit that oppresses all the people in North Korea. You're allied with that spirit because you think it's okay To force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. Evidence that you're allied with that spirit is that you want somebody else to pay your student loans. You want somebody else to take care of your parents. You want to force somebody else to do it. Now you have all kinds of reasons to think that that's a good idea. But it's not. Because it brings you into the camp of... The, the evil that is really behind the serpent that is really we'll use that as a metaphor the dragon and let's use that metaphor the dragon that is really behind the new world order behind the great reset it isn't Klaus Schwab that we need to fear <laughs> not that we should fear Klaus Schwab uh, or Noah Harari they got crazy crazy ideas and and but they are actually just pawns. Now, they don't think of themselves as pawns. They think of all the people that are following them. They think of them as pawns. But they they themselves are pawns in the hands of the spiritual that, evil that is coming. That's all we really need to go down that road. What we really need to do in the little bit of time we have left for this show is we need to know How do we go the other way? How do we repent and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Because that's what we were told to do. That was the instructions of Jesus Christ. And in truth, that was the instructions of Moses. A little bit different verbiage, but that's what Moses was trying to teach us. How to live without forcing our neighbor to contribute to our welfare. How to allow our neighbors to go free. And still gather together, laying down our life, casting our bread upon the waters in a way that we would become united with the Spirit of Christ. You don't become united with the Spirit of Christ because you read your Bible over and over again. You don't become united with the Spirit of Christ, the the, the anointing of Jesus Christ, the anointing of Jesus, which is the the Christ. We don't become one with that. By singing songs in church. By keeping certain rituals and ceremonies that we have outlined in our little rule book of salvation. You know, keep the Sabbath. Yet, we've said now in several shows that all the people who think they're keeping the Sabbath, but they're still in debt, aren't really keeping the Sabbath. They're keeping some ritual that they've identified as the Sabbath. They've counted days, and they've made those days sacred in their own mind, but it has nothing to do with the actual spiritual life of Christ, of the anointing. The real life of Christ would, would make you think a different way. When it makes you think a different way, they can't make you afraid. I was seeing at the beginning of COVID, people were, people that I knew that were actually fairly close to me were talking about, oh, how it was terrible and it was horrible and, uh, it, people are going to be dying left and right. And like I said, in our local county, the, the panic and the doctors at the hospital and everything, they were thinking, we need to order body bags because we're going to have 300 people dead in our county in the first month when it gets here. That's the panic. That's the fear. And I, I, I got calmer and calmer. I was looking like, what is going on here? It was almost, it was almost like a... a, a I was trying to think of the word, like a, a maze, a, a, a fog coming into people's minds. And they couldn't see it. They couldn't see their panic. They couldn't see their fear. And, that the, it, it's just it, it's it was spiritual. It, it it was mesmerizing to them that that they were caught up in this fear, and so you know we wrote about it right away and we began to research. But in order to talk to you about it, I could say, Now, fear not." <laughs> Hold up my fingers and just tell you, "Fear not." Uh, and the reality is is that. Uh, that wasn't going to cut it. Uh, so I had to give lots of people facts about, oh, well, no, this is actually what's going on. Oh, no, that's not actually true. No, this virologist says this. This virologist says that. Uh, that a scene that I was just talking to you about, I noticed he was quoting, uh, on Tucker Carlson, he was quoting uh, uh as, you know, this top genius. Well, Ioannidis... I was quoting him way back in 2019, <laughs> you know, and uh, reading his reports and reading his analysis and trying to figure out why is he saying what he's saying, and they just, uh, you know, he worked for Stanford, for and Stanford gets hundreds of millions of dollars from the government every year, so he he couldn't speak out. He wasn't allowed to speak out. He had to go all the way to Uh Greece, in order to say some of the things he wanted to say, and basically what he said is that all our institutions that should be telling us the truth have been hijacked, and they're not telling us the truth. But again, if I tell you the truth, that's not going to solve the problem. What is only going to solve the problem is that the truth lives in you. So how do we cultivate the truth in you? How do you personally seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness so that the Spirit of God, the real Spirit of God, not the emotional Spirit of God that you conjure up in your churches and in your singing and in your catechisms, but the real Spirit of God actually dwells in you. Because you can't make it dwell in you. lists just where it wills. So how can you... How can you make a place in your spirit, in your soul, for the Spirit of God that it may come into you and protect you from the evil this way comes? Well, you have to start letting go of all the things that you thought were true before that have become a part of your personal ideology. I don't say you have to forget them, you don't have to throw them out the door, you don't don't have to stop going to the churches that you go to, you don't have to stop gathering with the people that you've been gathering with, but you have to start quieting down and letting go of all those life vests and flotation devices that have kept you somewhat sane in a world that's gone insane. And when that becomes stronger and stronger in you, They can't make you afraid. What will happen is the absolute opposite. That they will become afraid of of something in you. Now, if you only go halfway, they may become afraid of something that is in you or starting to grow in you, and they'll want to kill you. And they'll want to put it into you because you're not going to wield the power. You're not going to have the power. You're not going to have the control. But God may appoint you an office. And that's what we were talking about, this idea of office. And we were saying this morning, mankind has offices. Just being a part of mankind. Man is an office. Woman is an office. Being a father and a mother, those are offices. Being a son or a daughter, those are offices. So, if you fulfill those offices, if you're a mother, are you a mother according to the Spirit of Christ? Because all these things that we see out there in the world, and the COVID, and the Great Reset, and everything, all those offices, they come from the natural office of father and mother. That the same responsibilities, which we call sometimes rights, are vested in the offices of being a father, and being a mother, of being a son, and of being a daughter. That if you do those things according to the Spirit of God, then you will create a place in you for God. If you dishonor your father, if you dishonor your mother, if you don't take the time to take care of them, if you you don't take care of your sons, if you don't take care of your daughters, if you don't set your sons free if you don't become the good father who leads your children to the perfect law of liberty where they get the right to make choices, then evil will find a place in you and God will not find a place in you. So it's in the little everyday things, but even though family is the building block of the kingdom of God, it is the institution that God created. It's built into creation itself, this thing we call family. For the families to become the kingdom of God, the families have to come together without infringing upon the rights and responsibilities of the next family. They have to learn to dance the dance of liberty in the kingdom of God. They have to come together. This is why Christ made it so important where He commanded His apostles to make the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Because when you gather together in a congregation of ten, you have begun the dance of liberty. You, now you're going to have nine other families, maybe Fifty other people, maybe a hundred other people, depending on the size of the families, trying to come together to make a place in their own hearts for the Spirit of God to dwell in them. And everybody won't come; they, they will come with burdens. They will come with, uh, you know, uh, burdens on them and and baggage. We we often call it. They come with human baggage. They come with things they haven't forgiven. They come with things they have not let go of. They come with uh, ideologies they cling to. They come with the wreckage of their own lives. And and sometimes they come with the wreckage that goes back generations. And But if they come together with the intent of seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness... Of being born again eventually. Most of the people who tell me they're born again, they're not really born again. It's very clear. Because they're not really in love with all the light. They will see some truths, especially the truths that put other people down. But will they see the truth that puts them down? That shows that they're not quite what they should be. Because the kingdom of God, the Christians were united all over the Roman Empire. They had created a social welfare system based on faith open charity where aid was traveling from Gaul to Corinth and Corinth to Ephesus and Ephesus to Syria, and they were helping each other out and When Jerusalem fell, they absorbed the thousands of people that fled uh Jerusalem proper and many of the other cities in that whole area uh they absorbed them. They brought them in. They were a brotherhood. They were they were astounding to people like Trajan and and uh, even Marcus Aurelius. Uh, they they could not figure. They were a peculiar people because what scared them more than anything else about the Christians, according to historians, was their union and discipline. And how did they have a union? Oh, they had... They had an orthodox liturgy? (laughs) Where everybody had the same catechism? And they were reciting all the, you know... I love God because God created the world and... You know, no, no. That wasn't any... That didn't exist. That was created by the apostate church. No, their union was in the Spirit. And see... That union of the Spirit allowed them in this congregation way over here they suddenly knew what was going to happen way over there. And they knew how they knew how to provide for these things that were coming. They knew where solutions were. Uh, I can't even tell you all the things that they discovered. It hasn't come down to it because the people that discovered them they did not cast their pearls to swine. But they, they knew who each other were because they were all doing one thing. One thing that we know, we know from the social record that they had in common. They had created a daily ministration of pure religion. Where thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Christian families all over the Roman Empire were united in a network of charity. That, where they were taking care of one another. And that spirit, they did it because they wanted to. They didn't do it just because uh, we need to do this, or otherwise we'll be in trouble. And we'll find food shortages, and we, nobody will help us out. No, they did it out of love. And that it was at first, it was very difficult to get people to even come to do this. They all had excuses. You know, I got to go bury my dad. Well, now we got lots of people because they've dropped dead suddenly. If those that's that's kind of the trending phrase that's going around because they created that uh, uh, video, uh, suddenly dropped dead, I guess is what it is. Uh, That may grow. That kind of thing may grow worse and worse and worse. And we haven't even got to collapse of the economy and collapse of the money system and food shortages and all those things that are coming up. And I don't want anybody to be afraid of any of those things. I don't want people to come together because they fear those things. We just know those things are going to happen. But knowing those things are going to happen don't put you in the side of the equation with the anointing of the Christ. What puts you in the side of those equations with the anointing of Christ in the kingdom of God is that you're willing to lay down your life for your fellow man. The guy you know and the guy you don't know. Not just those you love and love you back, but those you don't even know. That you, you actually are going to try to organize yourselves, not me organizing you, you organize yourselves to take care of one another. And then, when you do that, you may be suitable for more righteous habitations. And then God will give you the rest of the information that he's not giving me to give to you now. (laughs) So, anyway, uh, we should not fear what's coming. And until then, join us on the network. Peace on your house. May God be with you. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom Dot is holy church dot net.